I'm Stephanie Plant. Welcome to VotePro, the podcast where we take a deep dive into elections happening around the world and in our own backyard. This podcast is supported by Condo Voter, Canada's leading electronic voting platform for condominium elections. Check out their website at www.condovoter.com. This podcast featuring Sophie Blombach was recorded on August 27th, 2018. Sophie, thank you so much for coming on our podcast today. We so appreciate it. Everybody in Canada, as you probably know, is slightly obsessed with Sweden, whether it's with like IKEA furniture or your <laughs> your gender forward policies. And we are very curious to know about this upcoming election you guys have in September. So thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. No problem. No problem. So can you just maybe give a bit um, before we start of your background, where you're teaching, that sort of thing? Sure. Um, I am a political scientist. I was trained at the University of Gothenburg here in Sweden. Uh, But since about a year and a half now, I'm based at Mid-Sweden University in the small northern town of Sundsvall, where I teach bunch of different political science courses uh, on the Swedish political system, on the EU, uh, and on research methods. Uh, but my particular area of interest is political parties, uh, both Swedish and European ones. Perfect. Well, it look, sounds like you're the perfect person to chat to about this issue. So um, can you just give us an idea of when is the Swedish election? What is the exact date that this will be happening? It will be happening on the 9th of September. And the Swedish uh, election date is fixed, so it's always the second Sunday in September, every fourth year. Mm -hmm. And uh, on this day, we elect um, the national parliament, but also local and regional parliaments are always on the same day. Oh, okay. So on the 9th, we will be re-electing pretty much everybody except for our 20 members of the European parliament. Those are not up for re-election now in September, but it is a big, big day in Swedish politics. It sounds like it. So how many, when you go to the polls, that's probably what, two, three ballots every person is getting, I'd imagine? Three um, is the typical number. Uh, If if you're a Swedish citizen and you're allowed to vote in all three elections, you have local, you have regional, and you have uh, national elections. If you are not a citizen, you might still be eligible to vote in the local and regional elections, depending on where you're from and how long you've lived in Sweden. We actually have a lot of political parties in Sweden because it is, in an international comparison, extremely easy to form a party. So usually around 300 parties take part in these elections, but obviously most of them are not getting anywhere. Um, So at the moment we have um, eight parties in parliament uh, and there is some speculation that we might actually lose one or two of them this election. But at the moment, the parliament is split into three groups. You have the left-wing group with the Social Democratic Party, mm-hmm. um, and the Prime Minister, Stefan Levien, comes from this party. You have the Green Party, which is the junior coalition partner, and they always have two spokespeople, so it's always a man and a woman. So this time around, it's Isabella Levin and Gustav Fridolin, and they're also both members of the government. And then there's the left party, which is not a formal member of the government, but has been supporting it. So that's a sort of left socialist party, which is sort of small, but it seems to be doing well in the polls this time around. So that's sort of the left side of the spectrum. And then you have the right side where you have uh, four parties that have since 2006 been collaborating in something they call the alliance. 
So you have four alliance parties. You have the largest, which is the moderate party, sort of center right. Are they really um, called the moderate party? The moderate That's party. Awesome. Yes. <laughs> they used to be they used to be called the party the right party, but they changed their name in like nineteen forties, fifties, maybe I can't remember. But long before my time anyway. Um they actually have the newest party leader in Parliament. They switched party leaders just about a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, they now have a leader called Ulf Kristersson, which is sort of the main challenger to Stefan Löfven for the prime minister's post. And then you have a really small Christian Democratic Party, um, which is led by a young woman, Ebba Bostol. And then you have the Liberal Party and the Centre Party. And the Centre Party is sort of the old agrarian party. But they're both sort of liberal towards the middle of the left-right spectrum parties. Um, and those four have been collaborating. They led the last two governments before the one that we currently have, and they're running together again. So those are the two sort of main blocks. But then we have this big challenge over the last 10 or so years from a third actor, which is the Sweden Democratic Party, which is a sort of right-wing populist party. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um and they entered parliament in 2010 for the first time. And they are pretty isolated by all these other parties. So nobody wants to cooperate with them. So you sort of have a three groups of parties in parliament, which makes it very, very tricky to form governments and pass budgets and laws and so on. And um, the Sweden Democrats are doing pretty well this election, um, but still nobody says that they want to cooperate with them. So that's one of the big issues coming up now. Got it. Got it. And um, you mentioned earlier about the Green Party and how they have sort of a co-leadership men, women. We all have this idea that Sweden is kind of this like gender paradise and everybody's at parity for everything and and men are stay at home dads and all that. Can you maybe talk about the role of gender and how it plays out in Swedish politics? I think we're sort of this is starting to bubble up in Canada, say maybe over the last two, three years. But it seems like it's been pretty it's a bit of pretty big ideology in Sweden for a while now. Oh, definitely. Um, Despite the fact that there is no legal quota for women, uh, Sweden has in the last couple of decades always been sort of near the top of the world rankings of female MPs. Um, I think it was just under 44% in this last uh, election four years ago, um, which has come down a bit since 2006. Then we had 47% women in parliament. Um, And... uh, this has come about by the parties voluntarily um, alternating names on their ballots, because um, when you vote, you get to pick a ballot from a party with a list of candidates. And unless you cast your preference vote, your MPs will be elected in the order that they're on the list. So if you get two MPs, you will get the two first people on that party's right, list. Right, And, and um, this happened in the 1990s. Um, several um, political women's organizations started sort of threatening to form their own party because they were getting tired of not having equal representation. So they sort of said either parties, you sort of get your act together and start nominating more women on actual winnable spots on these lists, or we're going to form a women's party and challenge you. And the parties were probably reasonably afraid of this. And so the next time around, they started voluntarily alternating men and women. 
And uh, all parties do this except for the Sweden Democrats. So that sort of guarantees that you have a roughly equal number. But since they tend to put a man first still, you end up with just under 50% of women if you get an odd number of people elected. Um, and it's the same thing with governments. There is no legal requirement of how many ministers should be men and women, but it is pretty unthinkable in Sweden today to present a government with sort of 75% men. It would just not be acceptable to the parliament. Um, And our current government actually calls itself sort of the world's first feminist government, which they have been criticized for both both by people who don't like the idea of a feminist government, but also by feminists who feel that they maybe aren't feminist enough to be able to use this label. Right. But but in, in this case, I think we do fulfill the stereotype in many ways. And then do you mind, um, I know you, you touched a bit upon sort of the right wing, you know, we've, we've seen this in a lot of countries in Europe and North America, where there's kind of this spoiler kind of right wing, either party or person who pops up and kind of uh, caters to a certain population or a certain ideology. Do you guys have that as well? Um, yes, and it is largely a continuation of something that has been happening over the past sort of two or three um, election uh, cycles, at least, with the Sweden Democrats. It's a party that has been around for a really long time. And uh, in the sort of late 80s, early 90s, it was fairly openly neo-Nazi. But um, since then, it sort of reinvented itself, kicked out a lot of the old guard, um, elected a leader, which is very popular among his own supporters. His name is Himi Okison. Uh He's been the leader for a long time. This is his third election that he's running as the party leader. And um, they're sort of looking a little bit at, for example, the Danish People's Party and trying to become more sort of acceptable as a partner towards the other uh, from the other party's point of view. But as of yet, they're still considered a little bit of a pariah in the Swedish party system. But they are polling between sort of 15 and 20 percent uh, right now for the upcoming election. So they're not a marginal phenomenon by any stretch. Right, right. Um, and what what are the polls saying? So, I mean, I know polls are all over the place these days, but what are the polls saying so far as to who will win or what the breakdown will be? It's actually really, really hard to say at the moment, more so than in pretty much any election I can remember in Sweden. Um, The sort of left group of parties with the government parties and the left party, they're polling roughly around 40%. The Mm -hmm. center-right alliance is polling roughly around 40%. And then the Sweden Democrats, maybe 15 to 20%. So it becomes a little bit tricky to see both who's going to be sort of the biggest group. It's not going to be the Sweden Democrats. It's going to be one of the other two groups of parties. But even if one gets slightly bigger than the other, they're still going to have trouble forming a government this time around. And then there is an additional difficulty here because there is a 4% threshold in order to be able to to be elected to parliament. And at the moment, the Christian Democrats are polling below this. And both Mm. the Liberals and the Greens have sort of been hovering around the 4% mark. Um, so if one or several of those parties would not be elected, of course, then everything shifts. Right. Huh. Wow. Um, so at the moment, there's sort of a big discussion going on about would the moderates or the alliance be willing to rule with sort of a tacit Sweden Democrat support? And then on the other hand, would the Sweden Democrats settle for tacitly supporting them? Would they actually require a negotiation and something in return? They haven't so far, but they are now sort of 
putting more sharp demands on the table in order to support either of these sort of two bigger groups. So at the moment, most speculations are talking about a a government led by the moderates, but it's far from certain. Right. And what is typical turnout for you guys? It's always high, um, usually well over 80%. It was more than 85% in the last election, and it has actually been increasing in the last couple of elections. Um, And it's probably due to the fact that, well, you have a high political interest, but it's also really, really easy to vote in Sweden, uh, just practically. Um, You don't have to register yourself. You can vote in your own area or in a different area. You can start voting about two and a half weeks before the election. So um, it's been sort of um, purposefully made very easy to vote. And Swedes do then vote in large numbers. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Thanks again to our sponsor, Condo Voter. Condo Voter brings electronic voting to the Canadian condominium market combined with an in-depth knowledge and understanding of condominium laws. Electronic voting permits each individual unit owner to vote online using a secure web-based platform. Eliminate the need for proxies, increase owner engagement, and avoid contested results with Condo Voter. Participate, don't delegate. Check out their website at www.condovoter.com. What is your prediction of how this will play out for future Swedish European Union politics? I'm just going to give the example. Um, you know, in Canada, we have a neighbor who's quite, how do I say this politely, <laughs> uh, loud and forceful. Um, and so, like, since Finland and Denmark are also having elections in 2019, is what going to happen in Sweden sort of affect the rest of Scandinavia? Probably not as much as Canada is affected by its neighbor, uh-huh. um, because um, I mean the the direct impact is not very large. Uh, the Scandinavian and the Nordic countries do cooperate a lot, both within the EU and in sort of their own separate arrangements, but. That's usually not really dependent on whichever government is in favor. Sort of whatever happens with this tricky government situation now in Sweden, you will probably end up or very likely end up with a sort of pro-European, pro-Scandinavian collaboration government because almost every party is in favor, except for the Sweden Democrats and maybe the left party. So the Swedish policy towards the EU and towards its neighbors will probably not shift. Um, I see. So, and it's a little bit tragic, but we do tend to also pay more attention to U.S. politics than to what happens in our neighboring countries. It's just one of those things. We also care about your loud neighbor uh, quite a lot. (laughs) If you look at Swedish media, for example, or Danish media and Finnish media, it's the same. Right. And has, um, is kind of the things in Sweden a bit like Canada, where a lot of the politicking has moved to social media and all that? Are you guys sort of on the same level as we are? Uh, I would imagine so. Um, uh, we just, together with some colleagues, we just finished a book on the Swedish uh, parliaments, or sorry, the Swedish parties in the 2014 elections and how they were sort of taken to social media. But we can see already that it's changed so much in the last four years. Um, most of, for example, most of the party's ad money is now being spent on social media rather than on on uh, billboards or, or TV ads. Um, it's much cheaper, but they also think they get a much better uh, value, um, being able to micro-target and so on. Um, and um, 
you do see both Twitter and Facebook being especially dominant. So um, we're having this discussion that has been happening in a lot of countries over fake news on social media and dark ads and where are they coming from. So there is a, a sort of um, a little bit of a more of a discussion about the role that social media should play then. It's been very optimistic so far in the past couple of elections. Now we're a little bit more hesitant. Yeah, I was just going to ask if you guys are looking a bit, how should I say, eastward and what, like, is, is there any threat, I would say, of Russian interference? Or is, I'm, I don't mean to sound rude, but is Sweden sort of small enough that it's not really an issue for you guys like it is over here? Uh, no, I'd say it's it's an issue. I I can't claim to know how serious it is, but right. there have been reports made by sort of various security agencies and uh, so on that they are... Uh, Sorry, it's okay. Um, <laughs> that they are um, sort of prepared for this at least, and there have been some newspaper reports that yes, there are sort of trolls in the east trying to influence Swedish political discourse in much the same way as the the UK or the US, but mm-hmm. obviously not quite at the same level because we are a much smaller country. But um, from what I've seen from media reporting there seems to be at least concern. I don't know how well-founded it is, but it is something that is a part of the debate. Right. Well, I guess we'll find out on September 9th, eh? Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And you you mentioned uh, just uh, earlier about a book you were you were just public. Can you just tell us a bit about your research and some of your publications? I'm so interested in this. Sure. Um, it's both in Sweden and in, in the EU as a whole. Uh, I'm very interested in, especially in the small parties that challenge the, the party establishments or the established party systems. Um, so I wrote my dissertation on this a couple of years ago. Currently, I'm mainly working on a research project on how party systems have evolved in Europe over the past ah, 40 years. Okay. Uh, and this idea that parties are becoming more similar, that might not be true. So we're trying to find some new data and look at this and see what happens then if parties do become more or less similar. Does it make politics more contentious or more uh, consensus oriented? So this is a large project that I have together with colleagues at two other Swedish universities. Um, And then as a sort of side project, I've just finished up working on this book. It's unfortunately only available in Swedish, so it might not be uh, the best plug for for a Canadian audience. Um, But um, we wrote it as it's a more sort of popular uh, version of a a research project. Uh, We do conduct original research in it, looking at sort of how much people actually pay attention to the Swedish parties on social media and so on. But it is aimed more towards the average politically interested Sweden. In particular, we hope that the parties actually read this book and sort of get some ideas that maybe you shouldn't consider social media just another place to buy ads. Um, There is much more that could be done. So, um, but yes, parties all the way. And then that that tends to bring elections into it too, because parties need voters and so on. Of course, do you? Is there a big? Is there a lot of independent candidates in Sweden? We we don't have that many in Canada. We have maybe one or two every election that get elected. So we really don't. Um, the system is really based around the parties. Uh-huh. But as I said earlier, it's so easy to form a party. You literally have to fill out a form. You can do it online these days, uh, which is why we have more than three hundred parties registered as taking part. Um, so what you will get in every election, especially at the local level, I mean, I would imagine 
somewhere between 50 and 100 parties that are not represented in the national parliament would be elected with one or two members in various local governments. We have 290 municipalities, um, which each then has uh, its own local parliament. And uh, there you will find a lot of small parties that sort of work as an independent candidate would. It's typically a small group of people right. running on a, a local issue or something along those lines. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. Well, thanks so much for taking the time to chat with us today. That was super enlightening. Um, I wish I could, you know, come to Sweden and just kind of sit <laughs> in a polling station for a day now and, and people watch for the entire afternoon because I find this so interesting. Um, so this is a question we post everyone on our podcast. If you could wave a magic wand and change anything about the electoral system in Sweden, what would you choose to do? I'm going to be a little bit boring and patriotic and say that I think in general it works quite well. Um, <laughs> I know. Who would have thought? Um, but we do have, as I said earlier, large turnout. It is easy to vote. Um, it is highly proportional, the electoral system. And actually this year, there has been some small sort of tweaks to the electoral system to ensure that this proportionality stays, even though we now have more parties than we've ever had before. Um, so I would be a little bit conservative and say that I would like to see how this, these changes play out before I wave ah. my magic wand. Okay. Um, but uh, if I could sort of put one thing forward that I would like to see tried, it would be to have um, a different system for the party ballots. It sounds very technical and very boring, but in short, it is the case that we don't have a single large ballot with all the parties on them makes sense since there's you know hundreds and hundreds of them but instead it's up to each party to print or order uh from the electoral um um, um bureau or whatever you want to translate it yeah. uh, the electoral authority i think would be the best translation you can order your own ballots and then distribute them if you're in parliament you don't have to do this but if you're a small challenger you have to distribute your, your own ballots which mm -hmm. actually does put up a bit of a hurdle for a new actor mm -hmm. But it has also been criticized both internally and actually internationally as well by sort of election monitors that these are typically found in plain view in the electoral um, uh, the polling stations. So you would have to pick up ballots for the parties that you want to vote for in view of other people. So what most people will do is they'll pick a ballot for each and every party and then go behind the screen and just toss the ones that they don't want to vote for in order to preserve the secrecy of their vote, I which see. seems inefficient to me. Yeah. And then quite a waste of paper. If you very much so. Yeah. So, um, th that's maybe if, if I get my magic wand, I might want to take a crack at figuring out a better way to do that. That costs less paper and less money and less hassle. Yeah. And then absolutely the secrecy of the vote thing too is paramount. So for sure. No, that sounds really for interesting. Sure. Please, please keep us updated on that because I would like to know how your magic wand gets put to use because that's, uh, that seems very, that seems very interesting. So thank you. It's, well, it's been my pleasure. Right. And just before we go, where can we find you online and find some of your writings and your research? Um, you can find me on Twitter under my own name, but I also co-curate a, uh, a Twitter account called Partiforskning, which is party research in Swedish, um, where we tweet about party research, uh, both in Swedish and in English. Um, it's a mixture of both. Um, so I would say Twitter is the best place to find me.
Sounds great. Thank you so much for chatting with us today, Safi. And uh, I'll, I'll probably email you on the 9th and see how you survived the day. That will be interesting to see. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for chatting and uh, take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. To see the show notes for the podcast, go to condovoter.com. For questions or ideas or to get in touch with me, you can reach me at at special ballot. That's S-P-E-C-I-A-L-B-A-L-L-O-T on Twitter. Until next time, I'm Stephanie Plante.